What's going on, everybody? It's the Common Thread Podcast here with David Allen. Uh, very, very excited for today. I probably say that on every episode, but I have a lot of really cool friends that are doing awesome stuff. And, um, you know, entrepreneurship to me has become my life and, you know, not only just business, but my hobby and, and my love and passion for everything. So, I've, I've been able to realize what working your ass off and hustling can do to change your life from the from the long term overall scheme of just happiness in general. And uh, so I get really excited any opportunity I get to actually have a full conversation with somebody um, where we're just diving deeper into their background, what drove them to get to where they are, what makes them tick, what makes them thrive. And uh, really where it all started and, and what the inspiration came from, from a stand of trying to come up with an idea, a concept, a business or, or whatever it may be. So um, today's episode, I'm very excited I'm inviting a really great, great friend of mine, uh, Ricky Manella on here. And um, I've I followed Ricky for a long, long time. Uh, one of my favorite people, uh, one of my favorite entrepreneurs. And I'm excited to kind of get him on here, pick his brain and really talk. Um, I know he started his business, I think, right around the time I did or, or maybe shortly prior to that. And uh, sitting back and watching his business thrive and, and evolve into other opportunities and other businesses has has been nothing short of just amazing to watch. So, um Ricky, I appreciate you being here, man. This is this is cool. I, I've been looking forward to having you. One of my first thoughts to have you on here, and I appreciate you making time to to make this work, brother. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I love your uh, your space here. First time I get to see it as well. Yeah, so it's a pleasure being here. Awesome, man. man. Awesome. So. Um, Ricky, just just to kind of kick things off, I, I typically try to have somebody just give a little bit about their background because um, I like having it come directly from you. And we'll have some information on the show notes of your background, website, all that stuff. But you have such an interesting story. And I remember it started out with the cart years ago and maybe prior to that, which I'm, I'm really interested in diving in there. So uh, if you don't mind, just kind of give everybody a, a little um, idea of your background. And then I'm going to start chipping away at that as, as you kind of converse with me. Yeah. Um, when people ask about, you know, where, where I started off, I, I can really, <clears throat> at least entrepreneurially, I can, I can date it back to eighth grade, um, in my, uh, civics class, we started learning about all the different, you know, um, areas of business, blah, blah, blah. And, and the word entrepreneurship came up as one of our vocabulary terms. And something about the word, I don't know the way it looked, maybe I didn't know what it meant at the time, uh, stuck with me. And um, I just remember learning that word, learning what it meant and thinking that's what I want to do. Not knowing that that doesn't really mean a whole lot, you know, thinking you want to be an entrepreneur sure. because you need something to go with it. You need a skill set or something uh, to sell to go with that. Um, but wasn't worried about that at the time. <clears throat> so I graduated uh Chartiers Valley in 2005, headed off to Duquesne University, where I, uh, funny enough, um, buddy of mine, Carmen Williams, uh, was already at Duquesne, and uh, I was looking to go into the School of Business, looking to try to lock down a um, major. Didn't really find one I liked. I saw they had an entrepreneurship program, but I once again thought to myself, like, what does that mean? Right. I'm going to study entrepreneurship. That doesn't mean I come out of there and I, you start a business. So I you know, apprehensively did not pick a major. As I got into the program there, <clears throat> I found out who Ron Morris was there, what the program was all about. And it was just, you know, from then on, it really launched me into wanting to become an entrepreneur. So graduated there in 2009, 
during that time, high school, middle school, actually, we started a little um, landscaping business, which got my feet wet in the uh, entrepreneurship world. And, um, and you were doing that while you were in college summer times or prior to that? Yeah, starting off in middle school, we started just cutting my, my Graham's lawn next to me um, with a buddy of mine. Um, and then, yeah, did that through college. And obviously, you know, that just kind of started dropping off. The business is actually still around today. My buddy Lee Lavi still runs no, no kidding. Foxwood Landscaping. Still That's really around. cool. Yep. Awesome. Um, so 2009, graduated there, uh, went out, worked a couple different places. Nothing really stuck. Um, so I, uh, I actually had a little discount card that we started selling from Duquesne. Um, it was called the bird card and we were selling that to the, um, students at Duquesne. And, and when, uh, when you say we were selling that, that was you a group of people, the school, what, what was that about? So I became the, um, president of the Duquesne Entrepreneurial Alliance, my okay. senior year at, uh, Duquesne. And we wanted to start the first student run business. We wanted a business that would be able to fund the organization. So we all got together and brainstormed. We came up with this idea to sell a discount card um, of local businesses. We ended up getting like 80 local businesses in the area, South side, downtown to offer a discount on the card. We then sold it to the students at the height of what it was. There was four owners, all uh, Duquesne at that time graduates. Um, we had 2000 cards out. We had gotten it into the, um, package that the freshmen get when they come mm -hmm. the orientation package. So we had 2000 cards out. we had about 80 businesses that were on the card. Um, eventually this business kind of dissolved. Everybody went their own ways. I was the only one in charge of it. Um, that job, long story short, led me to working at living social, which is like Groupon. Yep. So I had to dissolve that, um, I, remember, I forgot how big card. that was. The living social thing was huge, huge back there. Huge. Yeah. Huge. So I worked, I got a job with them. I was like, wow, like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm going to go work in the tech world type of thing. I'm going to do sales, blah, blah, blah. Three months later, they fire me. And um, I was on a Monday. And uh, I remember getting off the phone with my boss, who I had never met. Like, it was just one of those companies that was grown by leaps and bounds and I was doing a pretty good job for them. You know, I, I didn't hit my quota and that's why they fired me, but I got big accounts. Like I got, you know, you, you would sell these deals and you'd sell thousands or you'd sell like 50. And, and the couple deals that I got were selling really well, sure. but I wasn't hitting my quota. So they fired me. And uh, my boss said to me, he said, hey man, we can't be friends anymore. And you know, we ended the conversation. I get off the phone, I start laughing. I was like, friends, I never even met you. You so know, that, that's really what he said. Yeah. We can't be friends. That's how he fired me. We can't be friends anymore. I don't even know his name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got off the phone. I started laughing and just like kind of felt this relief of like, okay, now what? You know, I'm living at home. I'm not married. I don't even have a, uh, I, no, I had steady girlfriend at the time, but uh, I just kind of felt, you know, what do, what do I want to do? What have I always wanted to do? And um, truthfully, down deep, I've always wanted to open a restaurant. That day dates back to the uh, Italian oven. Yep. Do you remember the Italian oh, sure. oven around awesome. here? Yeah. It was amazing. Um, so I remember going there and just loving that experience. But I don't like cooking. Didn't like cooking at the time. Um, I had traveled a lot, seen a lot of great food. My mother's a great cook. Both my grandmothers were great cooks. Um, my dad's mom had a restaurant in Bridgeville called The Ritz uh, that was really su successful for about... 31 years. Um, so 
I brought this idea up to my dad. I said, hey, dad, I want to open a restaurant. And I said, you know, let's look for some spaces. And, and it was just purely the the appeal of, of the Italian oven that that just drew you to wanting to do that with not liking cooking, not liking any of those things. There was just something there. You know, the restaurant business has a certain charm to it that a lot of people get drawn to blindly. And that's why a lot of restaurants fail is because of people like me who think, okay, I got a good meatball recipe. I can open a restaurant. I can compete out there. Um, but yeah, generally it was just like, I love restaurants. I want to be an entrepreneur. Here we go. This makes sense. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you found a space with your dad? No, no. He said to me, uh, basically, look, I've been in the business cause he grew up in the restaurant bar business. Um, you have a lot to learn. You know, I'll help you get into culinary school. I'll, you know, I'll pay for that. Uh, we'll go from there. See if you like it and see what happens. So I go to culinary school. It's like a year and a half program. And uh, I end up graduating. During that time, I ended up starting a hot dog cart. Luckily, back in the bird card situation, when I was selling those cards, I reached out to a guy at CMU. I was trying to expand the card to CMU. And there was a hot dog cart there. His name was uh, Joe Culinary, still a good friend of mine today. Um, he had a hot dog cart that he had a space, a permit for Shadyside on the, on the sidewalk. So that's where we ended up. I rented that space off of him. Went and bought a, a hot dog cart in Virginia, which is really its own story. Um, I looked it up online. I was looking for something cheap. It was like 4000 bucks. I go down there. He lights the um, propane tank. And one of the lines busts and is shooting flames out of it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, shit, I just drove, you know, six hours with my mom to come pick up this hot dog cart. It's a piece of junk. Um, he knocks off a thousand bucks or something. I'm happy. I leave. By the time I get it home, the nuts and bolts of it have started shaking loose. Um, I try to fire it up to cook like a fried egg on it. And the thing's like burning up. So I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? I look up this guy's name, which at this time, now I'm starting to figure out who this guy is. Not before I buy it, after I buy right. it, right? So this guy scammed 12 people, asked for money up front. He asked for money up front for me, and I said, no, I got to come see it. I'll pay for it. The hot dog cart that I bought was the one that he promised 12 other people. So I at least got it. Um, we got it home. I called the guy. He's not answering. I called the police in the Virginia area. This guy scammed people. Nothing comes of it. Um, buddy of mine helps me basically re-engineer this food cart. And we get this Frankenstein food cart that, you know, we bought some parts from sure. Lowe's and hook it up and, you know, cooked hot dogs. Yeah. So, 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 so I think the a thing to take home for everybody that's listening on something that, uh, you know, Ricky just said was the very first project that, you were getting into from an entrepreneurial standpoint had hiccups from day one. Right. And I think that's so unique. Whenever I started my business, I remember there was a situation where I had an opportunity to meet with Damon John and I flew to Orlando and I had these proper knots that I'd first made. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm flying down there on a, like a Thursday night. And there was a Goldman Sachs conference the next day. And in my mind, I'm convinced that this is the, this is my million dollar plane ticket. I'm, I'm, I remember listening to like hip hop music and I'm flying and it's nighttime and I'm watching the sunset out the window and I'm just so fired up. And I'm like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then boom, reality hits you and it shows you right out of the gate that whole experience dictates the entire ride as an entrepreneur, right? And that's hearing that, I, I never knew that story. I, we've never really talked about that, but hearing that 
it just, you know, everybody that's listening should really soak that in because if you have an interest in doing something, if you have an interest in, in business, a passion for something, there is 1000% no easy road. And it doesn't matter how prepared you are. It doesn't matter how much work you put in. You have to be ready to be nimble the entire time. And, and that's, I appreciate you sharing that because it, you, you, you certainly relate right away to every scenario from that point moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, I can look back and say that could have been the end. I get this hot dog cart that, doesn't work and I could I could see a lot of people calling it quits there and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back but a lot of people fail because when they go in they have an expectation of how it's supposed to go and when it doesn't go that way which it never does it's either do we start adapting or do we make the excuse that this guy scammed me I'm done with it and fortunately you know, I never looked that route and just figured out, okay, well, we got to fix it and we're going to go sell hot dogs one, one way or the other, you know? Um, so, so you ended up piecing everything together, Frankenstein, the machine together. Were you able at that point moving forward, able to utilize that or what was kind of the next steps in the process for you? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks to get it um, functional. Um, I got my permits in order and then we took the hot dog cart out uh, one summer night. My brother went with me. And um, we put together a menu that looking back was silly, you know, just trying to do way too much uh, as a hot dog cart, Um, you know, and also, you know, we're dealing with 2 a.m. bar crowd. They're not looking for I'm in culinary school, so I'm trying to, like, do some cool stuff when in, in all reality, it was by the end of the time that we were doing that hot dog cart, we kept it pretty simple. You know, we did some sandwiches and. Um, it was actually a really nice platform for me to use what I was learning in school, learning in restaurants at the time and come up with my own kind of style and testing it out on a very forgiving crowd. Right. You know, they're, they're all out drinking, having a good time. And uh, some things were, were, were great sandwiches that are still with us today that were developed on that hot dog cart. And others were just, you know, if my uh, garbage disposal could talk, it would not right. say good things. Of course. But, um, it was a really good platform and a unique situation to be able to have fun with some street style food and uh, test some things out, make some money while doing it. I was just doing that on Friday and Saturday nights. So I was working in different restaurants around the city. And um, after I would leave there, sometimes even as a cook, you would go and freelance at places or or whatever you could do. Yeah, I'd have a, I'd have a steady job. I worked at Oberloni, which is where I met John, our head chef. Now he was the first real chef I worked for. He would occasionally come out after we closed the restaurant, 11 o'clock at night. We'd go and run out to Shadyside, get there, set up by 11.45 midnight, um, and and sell some food. So, yeah, I, w- I left there. Then I worked at a Latin-Asian fusion restaurant called um, – oh, the name's escaping me. It was down in Lawrenceville. Um, either way, I started bouncing around different restaurants and, and trying out new things uh, on the hot dog cart. And, um, you know, we saved up enough money about four years in to pay for half the food truck. My dad paid for the other half. And um, none of this was the game I wanted to get into. I didn't want to get into the hot dog street food. I didn't want a food truck the whole time. And back of my mind is like, this is a means to the end. I want to get a restaurant. Um, So, so, so talk to me about the whole process of, uh, and and whenever he references the the food truck, you know, Ricky created this. And first of all, the food's incredible. um, But the Berg bites cart, 
And um, so went from an actual physical hot dog stand cart, right, to progress to, uh, I guess you hit it right at the time where food trucks were just starting or where they were already moving at that point. You know, talk to me about your mindset on that switch over to that. Yeah, we hit we hit the game pretty early. There was definitely food trucks in Pittsburgh. God, I think now there's like over 200 registered by the health department. But at the time, I believe there was like 30 to 40. Um, a lot of them being kind of stationary ones. Like you'd see the ones at CMU. Um, nothing really crazy like you were seeing around the country where they'd have these high-end culinary food trucks. Um so, yeah, we named we named the business Bird Bites. And that really came about because um, I didn't really have an identity to our food. And I didn't want to pigeonhole us. A lot of food trucks, you know, make their money because they are a taco truck or they're a burger truck. And, you know, part of me wanted that. But I also knew I didn't have that figured out yet. And I didn't want to be pigeonholed to a certain type of cuisine, um, which was a good and bad thing. It allowed us to kind of create our own kind of style of what we were, but it was a bad thing. And that's, that's the good part. But the bad side of it was no one knew what we sold. You know, you say bird bites. What is that? People think it's small burgers, right. you know, um, Pittsburgh style food. They thought we sold like halushki and like stuff that we didn't do. Um, we'd go to food truck roundups and we would not be anywhere near as successful as the other trucks. And I really don't think that necessarily had to do with our food. It had to do with like people look around and see, okay, this guy has tacos. This guy has burgers. This, guy, this guy's got pizza, bird bites. What's that? I don't care. You know, I don't want to walk down and explore to figure it out. Yeah. 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 So that, that's crazy too, from a, the marketing perspective of that, right? When you think of branding and, and I'd like to dive into where that went from that point, but you know, in the consumer's eyes and any consumer, especially, you know, in nowadays world on the internet, I think they say it's like a two second, three second um, attention span for somebody that's circulating, looking on ads or, or scrolling through social media. And as technology advances, I think that window definitely closes even more because there's so much content being jammed in people's faces. So, you know, from somebody that n that never thought about that from a branding standpoint, what, what the psychology side would be on the name, probably threw a wrench in the beginning half of that portion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't realize that at the time. I only realized the issues with our name and our brand after I saw reactions of people, mainly in these food truck roundup situations. Um, and it was a bit of an uphill battle to work against that. Um, but fortunately, you know, I think I just played the long game was like, just stick with making really good food, um, stuff that people are familiar with, but unique to us. Um, and I think that's, that's where we ended up. And how long, whenever you started the, um, the bark bites cart to, you were no longer, okay, shit. Like we're, you know, the first time when you said you would go to these festivals or these events where you wouldn't sell as much as you want, how, how long did it take from launching or the first day you got that, the, the uh, food truck to being, okay, we have something here or we're actually a little bit more comfortable now, you know, talk to me, talk to me about that if you can. I would say somewhere around four years after we started the, the, the cart, did I think we actually got some traction and maybe some local attention, um, which is what I wanted from the get-go. And it's, it's one of those realities versus um, 
uh, perceptions of where things are at. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought as soon as we started off, I'd create a sandwich or something that I was excited about. And that would be like, boom, now we're going to be famous in Pittsburgh. And uh, some people that they can do that. I've, I've realized that that's never been my strong point is to like figure out what the next big thing is and, 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 and do that. Um, but I also think too, there's a lot of people that, that, you know, that overnight, whatever it could be, they always say it takes 10 years to be an overnight star. True. I, I think even from that perspective that there's probably most of those people that did come up with something it had to sprinkled somewhere else and, and very, and maybe I'm wrong, but very rarely do I think that, you know, you, you'd launch something and, and then it all of a sudden takes off. And, you know, whenever, um, I remember I was, God, it had to been 15 years ago, 13 years ago when I first started some other businesses, I was at a work trip in Mexico and I was talking to a guy that started a janitorial supply company. And I may have even talked about this on one of the earlier episodes, but you know, he, he, we're sitting there having a drink and just talking about what I'm trying to accomplish in life. And he's like, dude, what are you waiting for? Just, just launch your product. He goes, you're a nobody. And it really, it, it, he's like, I was too. And you just got to get out there. And our perception is, Hey, we have the idea. We're the entrepreneur. We know where this can go. And we conceptualize and we visualize what can happen. But then you don't realize until you get involved at the steps from your conceptualization of the opportunity to where you go, there's a thousand steps in between that or a million steps in between that, which people don't understand. Yeah. So, um, but no, sorry. Good. It, it's, it's always, it's interesting to touch point on that because Every entrepreneur, you believe in a product or you believe in a decision, and in your mind, it should instantly be successful. But for those of you that listen here, it's it's not. It's a it's a Rarely. long grind. Yeah. Rarely. Okay, so you know, go ahead, pr proceed from there. Um, so where we're at now is um, basically we we got the so w another big launching point that I think made us grow leaps and bounds was a farm dinner that we did up in Mount Washington at Grandview Park. Um, short story about how that all came about. I had the hot dog cart up there for a community day sometime in the spring of 2015, maybe. And um, all the leaders of a group called Friends of Grand Grandview who help raise money for the park were up there. Um, I had, uh, fortunately that day I had like a really cool menu. I had a porchetta sandwich on there. Um, I had falafel on there. Um, a couple things that were kind of different that I actually didn't do that often. And I don't even know why they were on the menu that day, but we had some of the leaders of that friends of Grandview group, uh, come up and try the food, serve them the sandwich. They go away. They come back 15 minutes later and they start saying how amazing the food was. You know, I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, we're really excited about the food as well. And then um, next thing I know, they're asking me to do this dinner, this farm dinner up at the park. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. I, this is a beautiful venue. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely in. They're like, okay, we'll send you some details. So when they sent me the details, I find out it's 100 people. It's like 125 a plate. Um and I find out who the previous chef was. And it was um, the chef from Cure. Um, God, his name evades me again. Cure and Morcia. Mm -hmm. um, he's nationally known. And I am just like terrified of doing this dinner because he's done it about three years in a row. 
and I got to follow in his footsteps. He didn't want to do it anymore. He got too busy, whatever happened. I'm not even sure. So I start panicking and I, I hit up the guy I'm working for, John. And I say, John, I got in over my head and I really need your help to pull this off. And I explained to him what it is He's like, yeah, you did get in over your head. <laughs> you don't have any of the equipment you need to do this. You got a hot dog cart and you need to do a gourmet five course dinner up at Grandview Park. I said, yeah, yeah, I need your help. You know, we got to figure this out. We bought a little bit of equipment and we did the dinner and it was really, really good dinner. Everything went really well. Um, made homemade pasta and uh, we did a filet dish and uh, everybody was telling me up there how great it was. They wanted me to come back and do it again. We got a write up in the newspaper about it. And at that point, I started to believe a little bit more that we can do this. We can do big weddings. We can be a catering company. There's a lot more to this than the hot dog cart and maybe even restaurant down the road. Um, so we did that for a year with the hot dog cart. The next year we had a food truck there. And at that point we started doing bigger events, mainly because of the belief that we had in ourselves from that dinner and the customers we were building from that dinner and other things we were doing. We were doing big weddings and events for, you know, big corporations. Um, so that was a huge launching point. Um, we started doing, you know, stuff all around the city and our schedule started getting a little busier. And how, how are you there from a financial standpoint as, um, as a, a comfort level? Uh, were you at that point in the, in the journey, you paying your bills fine? Is everything good financially? Um, are you guys still strapped at that point? Were you comfortable? Any insight on that standpoint? Yeah, I, I was living at home still at the time. I was working out of my mom's kitchen. Yep. So there was no rent. Um, my mom was basically my right hand. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of overhead with employees. Um, so, you know, there's certain points in my career, you know, even a year, two years ago, where I think I might have been making more money then than I am today. Right. You know, um, so... I, we weren't making tons of money, but we were making enough for me to save money to put towards buying new equipment and paying myself. Um, so, and why I asked that too, is a lot of the times at different stages in business, there are different things that you have to consider currency. And I always equate this to when somebody comes up to me and they randomly see me and they say, Hey man, I, that suit was awesome. Well, in the beginning stages of business, you're not really making a ton of money, right? So the compliments end up becoming the currency that you need more than anything. And the currency, you know, having somebody come up and, and literally leave, consume your food, come back to just to tell you, Hey, your product is, is fucking awesome. Feels really, really good. Right. And, and those are the, the, the things that when they continue to happen, you have the belief already, but when you start getting the support from those people that are total strangers that you've never met before, you had no relationship with in the past, and they're willing to walk up to you after they've already finished what they were doing and say, hey, this is awesome, changes the game, right? Yep. yep. And, you know, that become became much more prevalent than the actual money coming in. Um, we did a couple of chefs' best dish uh, which was another another huge thing in terms of what you're talking about. Um, it was not a financial game. We didn't win any money, but this was also early on before I had the hot dog, before I had the food truck. Um, 
I World Magazine put on this Chef's Best Dish event. And once again, I'm going into this thing and I, I say to John, because John was helping me out at the time as well. I said, John, I'm in over my head. I'm going up against, you know, some really great chefs in the city and some huge restaurants. And I got to come up with a dish that is going to compete in this competition. 400 people are invited. They go around, they taste everybody's dish. And first year we went, we won Chef's Best Dish for Best Pittsburgh Dish, which was a, uh, a sweet potato chip. It was like an appetizer, sweet potato chip with some braised pork on top. We had a cilantro, sour cream, pickled onion. It was a nice little bite. Um, and we won Chef's Best Dish off of that. So that helped, you know, that was some more publicity, um, which, you know, once again, didn't immediately translate into money. But looking back on all these things that helped build a name and a brand is where the money now has really come from. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, there are different phases and different stages in business and life in general, right? But business, especially with, with what we're going through and um, every stage that you go through, whether it's the startup phase, it's six month in phase, it's two year in, three year, five year, you end up running into different circumstances and situations, but they all look similar in a different light, right? So, you know, what you had mentioned, you, you, you took on something that you weren't sure you could handle, but you knew you'd figure it out. And I think that's the, the, the golden nugget out of that is that you just figure stuff out. And if you're willing to figure that out, you'll figure out a way to do it. There's, there's no stopping you. And, and when it comes to, you know, your name, your reputation, the branding, all those things kind of coincide with one another and they're all equally valuable. It's, and I tell people all the time, it's never about the dollar. It really isn't. Yeah. It's about building something and, and, you know, reputation is everything. And especially in the world today that we live in, where it's just so chaotic on, yeah. on a bunch of different fronts, you, you are who you are, you are your brand and you are your reputation. And that single-handedly allows you to survive a, a pandemic, right? Yeah. It allows you to survive other opportunities, but it also allows you to make a mistake. And that's going to happen. It's inevitable that in business that things pop up and all of a sudden you, you could do everything in your power for it to be the best situation. And it's just not yeah. going to be, or the fact that not everybody can be made happy, which is another big situation. And we've all been there before, but you always do what you need to do. You always stay on top of your, your situation and you put yourself in the absolute best situation to be successful. And that's exactly what you've done. Yeah. Well, you, you say um, you have to do a lot of figuring out of things, which I kind of learned early on was something that I almost had a knack for was like figuring things out on the fly, which is a good and a bad thing because it's almost a safe place for me to just like not think about how to do something until I have to figure it out, which is a good, you know, type of uh, characteristic to have as an entrepreneur. But at some point you got to stop jumping off that cliff with no parachute and, and figure out how to fly, you know, on the way down. At some point you got to start strategizing a little bigger so that you're not just making these mistakes all the time, which like I've become so numb to making mistakes and, and, um, I guess I wouldn't say numb, but like I've made so many mistakes and I've screwed up so many times and made a lot of customers upset with me. I still do it today that it becomes just a part of waking up and going to work, you know? Um, and, and so that, there's a balance with, with that, you know? And, and that's, that's, what's really cool is, 
you know, you, you're saying you made a, a bunch of mistakes. I, I still make them all the time. I'm always trying to figure out how do I get better? How do I get sharper? How do I get more dialed in? But then at, at that same token, you're growing. So now you're seeing different things pop up. You're seeing things that you haven't seen before. But the part about mentioning where you kind of go numb to it, it, I feel the same way. It's not that you're numb from a standpoint of, you know, you don't care or you brush it off. You're numb from a standpoint of you can't dwell on it. And you just know it's going to work out whatever way it's supposed to work out. And that's really what it comes down to. It's good to be numb emotionally towards things that are going wrong, that went wrong. Because, you know, like anything, once you get your emotions involved, you sometimes just don't make the right decision. So you got to separate yourself from reading a bad review and it making you feel down rather than reading a bad review and taking from it, okay, something's wrong here. Something needs fixed here. Let's forget that like this hurts and figure it out and make it better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, growth, right? That's right. just pure growth in business and life and personally too. And, and um, so, so you go through all these experiences, um, you know, you have these opportunities that you, you, you took on end up, you know, in your mind being bigger than what you can handle. You figure out ways to handle them and then things start going really well with Bark Bites cart. You start really getting some traction there. And, and where do we go from there? Yeah, we, we started looking for spaces. And we looked for spaces, truthfully, I, I would bet about five years before we ended up finding the right one. We were really excited about a couple. And things just weren't exactly right. Um, and my dad was, was looking all around the city. We were looking all around the city. We wanted to be in, in the hot plot hot places too, like, you know, Lawrenceville, downtown, uh, Oakland had a ton of opportunities. Um, that's where I thought we would be. And we found a little place in Heidelberg, which is like a blip of a town in between Carnegie and Bridgeville and Scott, um, that had one restaurant at the time. It has a brewery, it has a shot in a beer bar. Um, but it had a building that was at a good price that had some space behind it where we could put it in a garage we got it at a good price. Um, we kind of ramshackled a crew together that my of my dad's friends. Some were in the restaurant business. Some had you know construction background, and we tried to figure out how this space could work for us. So we bought the building, got plans together, um, put a huge garage on the back. We were able to park the food truck in there, do all of our food prep in that kitchen. We really didn't think about it in terms of a restaurant. We thought about it in terms of expanding the catering food truck side of things. So we built the space according to that, which didn't leave us much room for seating. So what was left after building out the kitchen space and the garage was a pretty small dining room. We're actually only legally allowed to have 12 seats. Mm -hmm. Um, so we ended up opening up and, um, you know, we were able to figure out a way to get some more seats in there. We got some seats upstairs and, you know, before the pandemic hit, we were a pretty busy, you know, maybe 60, 40, 60 being takeout, 40 being dine-in restaurant. Um, we pretty quickly uh, built a name for ourselves, but, you know, truthfully, we had a following that followed us to Heidelberg and really helped that first year not suck. You know, I mean, there was a ton of tough things that went on, but... Um, we hit the ground running pretty well. We had a catering business that was, you know, still going pretty strong. The food truck schedule was still strong. We were just building up our restaurant business. Um, so, 
you know, that kind of brings us basically to here today. Um, we got like 17 people, all things told on, on payroll, um, really great staff. We, we built this business on the shoulders of, you know, first and foremost, my mom, she does all of our accounting. My wife, you know, did a lot of our email booking for a long time. You know, John, our head chef, he takes on a ton and we just got a really good crew. And, uh, like you said, it helped, you know, being in the space we're at helped us get through the pandemic when a lot of these restaurants out there didn't. And it's, it's really sad to see that happen in the Pittsburgh community because I mean, the restaurant industry was just killing it here, growing by leaps and bounds. And, uh, the way things had went with the pandemic, just just killed restaurants across the country. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, I, I went to Duquesne as well. So I've been in the city now for 15, 18 years, whatever it is. And um, the growth that the city as a whole has had in that time frame is incredible. And more importantly, in the food industry is nationally recognized for a ton of the restaurants, which is it's cool. And so they're still hanging on and fighting. But, you know, as as the pandemic and, and rules, regulations, things of that nature, it really, really put a bad, bad damper on the restaurant industry. You, you, you definitely empathize for people from that standpoint because it's it's a lot. And so talk about the uh, the restaurant. It's it's named Brick and Mortar. And, um, you know, talk a little bit coming up with the name. Maybe it's as simple as as what it is. And then maybe some of the food. Um, Ricky's food is incredible. The pizza is incredible. I mean, it's by far it's been one of my favorite food products in in the city, starting with the cart. I never had the hot dog cart, anything at that point. I didn't really I didn't know much about it back then. And I don't think I knew you that well at that point. And then, you know, um, I think I knew of you, mutual friends and all that stuff. Um, But we had you at our uh, one or two of our fashion shows early on. Um, actually two of them, I think. And everybody raved about the stuff that they got from your card. I mean, I, I still have people that when we talk about the fashion shows, people still talk about the food that was at the after party and, and, um, you know, and the torts that you guys have. So it's, Talk a little bit about all the food, why you may have come up with some of those things. And um, because I think those of you that listen to this, you have to try the product out. And I'm not just saying that because Ricky's on here. The food is, the quality is incredible. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Real quick, uh, after, I think it was the second fashion show we did for you at the Lamont. We we were up there with the food truck afterwards. There was a hockey player, NHL player, I forget his name. It was, a Col- I think, Colby Armstrong. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> he came up, he's got like, is he Canadian? He's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. He came up and I think he probably had some type of beer in his hand. He goes, what do you got up there, boys? I got I to gotta cool down the old boiler. <laughs> And I'll never forget he said that. And uh, he got, I think he got like one of our jerk chicken sandwiches yeah. and came back and thanked us. <laughs> I'll never forget. You got to cool down the old boiler. That's the, he's, he's a very good human being and uh, he has a lot of personality behind him. And just hearing you say that is literally him to a T on how he talks, which is yeah. great. No, it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, so brick and mortar, we came up with that name because basically we needed to refer to this future place that we were going to be in in some manner as we were figuring it out. And we just naturally called it a brick and mortar. Once we have a brick and mortar, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Trying to come up with names at the time. Uh, I can't even remember one name that we even thought of to this day. Um, I don't know why. Just that part of my mind black is blacked out. But um, I think it was John. It's, it was either John or me. And to this day, we, we do not remember who said it. But we said, what if we call it brick and mortar? And we was like, well, that's not a bad name. Why would we call it brick and mortar? And we're like, well, we could use brick cheese um, on our pizzas. 
Uh, we call our red sauce a mortar sauce, uh, which is exactly what we did. Um, so that's that's basically the story on that. Um, and that came back to starting out the Italian Village Pizza. Was that part of the? Is that why you wanted to get into the pizza world, or? Not really, not really. It was just kind of the style of food we were doing at the time, and the style of restaurant we wanted to be. Uh, just that really fit the bill. Uh, we wanted to do a lot of familiar things in our own way. So we were doing sandwiches. We had our own, you know, tortilla chip thing that that became popular. A salsa to go with it. Um, and pizza just seemed like a natural progression. Adding pizza, some pastas, um, salads was just kind of the family kind of neighborhood style of restaurant we were looking for. Um, so, And your pizza tastes different than everywhere else in, in a really good way. Is there something different you guys do without giving anything away secret-wise? I mean, it's, it's, it's a high-end to me, right, from a standpoint. It's true high-end quality pizza. And it's not just your fast food. I want to get pizza. It's you really enjoy every bit of it. So that's is there something unique there? Yeah, I mean, we try to source as much quality ingredients as we can. Uh, I think the biggest thing in my eyes is the red sauce. Um, I don't care talking about recipes and whatnot. Uh, you know, I always say to people, look, this is this is the recipe. This is how we make it. Good luck out yeah, there, absolutely. man. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, yeah, we use roasted garlic. We, we make a roasted garlic puree. We put that in the red sauce. Uh, we cook down some carrots for a little bit of sweetness. Um, from there, you know, just onions, good tomatoes, uh, yep. basil. The, bre- the bread is different, or is it brick, just brick oven style? Or it, it just tastes different to me, um, you know, again, in a really good way. Yeah, the dough recipe we came up with was a combination of my mom's bread recipe and um, some pizza dough recipes that John yeah. had been working with. Um, and your your mom had that for years? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think that probably came from my grandmother, my okay. grandmother's recipe. Uh, real simple, you know, nothing yep. really, really crazy about it. It's, you know, with, with dough, it's just having the right proce- process, using good flour. Yep. Um, so, uh no, no, that's that's cool. I was just, I was just curious because I, everybody I talked to, I know I connected you with Rocco the other day. Yeah, um, Rocco Coz, and I've talked to him a couple times since then, and he just said he, how much he loves the food. Everybody I talked to, it's the same situation. They, they love the product, they love the food, and um, you know, so I, I think a lot of this stuff where it comes down to the beginning of of uh, to kind of summarize a lot of this is the beginning idea, right? You have an idea, you don't know the ending direction, you have a general idea of where you want to go. And from that point, just like any graph you see on social media that they talk about the entrepreneurial journey, it's always these ups and these downs. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's a start and there's a finish. But in between there is just peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, whether it's every day, whether it's every week, whether it's every month, whether it's every year, there's no straight line and there's no straight path. And a lot of the times is you as an entrepreneur, you you literally have to just figure things out and you could have all the mentors in the world, you could have all the advice in the world, but those people are not living your day-to-day life. They're not, they're not uh, understanding the books completely. They don't know where the numbers are coming from. They don't know what you're doing with the branding other than what you share, and then they still don't know the, the right path. So that's what's so unique about entrepreneurship is, is it really does solely rely on the visionary behind everything. And, um, you know, I talk to my team all the time about different things. And 
as people come and go, which is very difficult, you know, I, I've had employees come and go over the years and people that were close like family. And, and then you have people that come on, on board and you, you know, you wish they never came on board. And it's just, it's all part of the experience to get from the beginning to the end. And now you've been in business for what, eight, 10, 12 years now with everything. 10. Yeah, about 10. So, you know, you've been 10 years and from today for the next 10 years, you're going to continue to run into different peaks and different valleys. Um, and again, going back to the, the numb part about that, what you mentioned, and I feel the same way is as you grow in business and as you see more success, you also see more failure or more loss or some change of some capacity. And I, I think the strongest thing and the most important thing is training yourself as a business owner to never get too high and never get too low. And I think that's super important because, you know, people always ask me, Hey, you've, you've done great things. You know, how, are you really happy about this? And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But, but what I got to keep going. Yeah. I have another 30 years to build a business, another 40 years to build a business. It's not, I'm not chasing a number. I'm not chasing a dollar. I'm not chasing anything to stop working. I've now, understood the importance and appreciated the value in that. I love waking up building something every single day and everything that comes on top of that and adds to my life is just a true benefit. I'm able to pay my bills. I'm able to put money away. Now I'm able to reinvest things into other businesses. I'm re able to reinvest into my own business, but the, the goal hasn't changed. It's just building. And, you know, five years ago, I'd say, hey, I want to, I want a store, I want a shop or I want this. Okay. You're there. Now you got another vision. I want this. And it's like the light is always at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel seems to get shorter, but it still never ends. You know, it's, it's really unique. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the way that I think naturally a lot of people that are like me and you that, um, kind of have a, almost like a, a natural you know, characteristics that work well with entrepreneurship. Uh, it's the way we think, you know, and we just kind of view things. We view the world a little bit differently. Um, usually very optimistic, you know, of, you know, cause I'll, I'll, I'll present ideas or thoughts or, you know, a direction of something we want to do at the restaurant to other people at the restaurant. They look at me like I'm an insane person, you know? And I'm like, look, I know you guys, and you can't belittle that either. Yep. You can't just like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. I do, you know, because a lot of times I have to listen to them too, for sure, because they're the break and, and I can be the gas. And I've, I've managed that a little bit better now than I used to. But um, it, you can't let other people's opinion of whether they think you're going to be successful with this idea or not um, really affect you all that much. If you really believe in something, if you believe in a certain idea, a certain direction, uh, unfortunately, you might be the only person in that chip. And and yeah, that that. So uh, for my marketing business, it's me, Derek and Chris. And I look back at Chris for a second whenever you're talking about that, because, you know, Derek is is such a different personality than I am. And, and Chris kind of brings us both together. And I, I often present ideas that are just asinine potentially at least to Derek and um, but we complement each other really well but there are times where I'll come up with something and, and I could just tell he's like I could see it in his eyes like dude what are you thinking and not, not anything negative about that it's just we think differently and I I you know my dad is is the same way he, he was never in the beginning super supportive of this 
And it was more or less, hey, you have a great thing. Why would you give up a great thing to, to guess and to see if something can work? But to me, it didn't matter. If I lost everything, which I did, it didn't matter to me because I trusted that it would get to that point. And I knew that I would put myself in a position, I would put myself in the best position I could, not the position I could, but the best position that I thought I could get to where I want to go. And mindset's very, very tough because when you're starting something out and you don't have a blueprint, you don't have a, a you don't even have an Excel sheet, you don't have a website, you have no, you don't have a, uh, um, a, a company name. There's a lot of work that's, that, that goes into building a business that people don't understand, but you just have to start and brick by brick by brick, you just keep laying the foundation down. And at that point, once you start showing success in business, now all of a sudden that person that their, their vision might not have been there, might have been a little bit more cloudy than yours. Oh, you know what, Ricky, you're right. You're right. Okay, cool. Now they're helping put bricks down there and they're stacking. And then all of a sudden the other person comes and that that's what's cool is like, you know, it takes a village to do this. It takes a ton of people to get behind a business to get to where, where you want to go. And essentially, that's why this is so difficult is because you become family with people. Uh, you go through hell with people. Um, you go through good times with people. And it, it all takes trust. And it all takes teamwork to really get somewhere. And um, it's it's unique to hear that, man, because and I, I had a really good understanding of of the way you are, the way you operate, right? We have a pretty good friendship. And I, again, I've, I, you're one of the people that I've respected immensely from the beginning. And it's just cool to, to, in the beginning stages of you building a business, to sit back on the sidelines and spy on you and keep an eye on For you. Sure. And then to see where you are now is very rewarding as a friend because I love p seeing people win, man. And it's, it's really cool that you're able to do this. And now with your family expanding and all those, it's yeah. just, it's cool, man. It's, it's, very awesome to, to, to be able to watch what, what you've done. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And, and I look at you the same way. And I, I, I think about a lot of times the people that I gravitate to just have a thirst for life, a thirst for adventure, a thirst for having fun a lot. And a lot of times, you know, that, that dictates what you do for work. Um, I have friends that are accountants, you know, that just count beans all day. And they're some of my best friends. Right. Um, but I know I couldn't live that life and I just can't see, I couldn't see myself from an early age. I had a, I had an internship at Heffron Tillotson. Are you familiar? With I think that? I had one. There was, there's an office in Heidelberg, right? Or something by your shop. I definitely had an interview there early on. Okay. I might've been in college, but yeah, go ahead. Heffron Tillotson has a bunch of for sure different locations. Yep. Um, but, uh, I was working in the downtown one. I was working under a, uh, what is it? A financial advisor. And that could have been a route for me. I worked there for two summers as, as an intern and I was lining up to be able to, you know, my dad knew the, the guy I'm referring to Jim Meredith, who was immensely is immensely, um, you know, successful. And I thought, hey, this could be a direction for me. But as I'm sitting there filing things in their filing room, I'm like, I just don't think I could stomach this for the rest of my life. And I realized I wouldn't be filing things forever. But there just wasn't any type of excitement or any type of, you know, unknown with that job and many jobs out there. And I'm not downplaying that. Some people, that's what they want. They want that security because their focus isn't an adventurous career. It's 
something else. But the people that I gravitate to are the people that are just down to go out, follow their dreams and do it with vigor. And, you know, I hope and I feel that that's the way I I live my life. And I I try to get that to come through in the food. I try to get that to come through in, in the business is the way I feel about life should come through in all that you do, the way you raise a family, you know, the way that you have a business, the way that your food tastes should all have that type of same focal feeling of, of, of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I'm the same way, man. It's all, you you know, when I lost my job back in 2016, my world got turned upside down, but in a really good way. I was like, okay, cool. This, this is crazy, but I'll figure it out. And, and I get why people don't want to do that because you kind of got to be a single little crazy to do that for sure. And, and I do believe that if you put your heart, your soul and your passion into something naturally, that's going to transcend into the product service business, whatever it is, and, and kind of leave you some long-term success there. So I guess wrapping up here, man, um, you know, tell me just thoughts on what has entrepreneurship done to, to your life, man, the quality of life, the value of life, the happiness of life, just, you know, give me a two minute summary of, of just the experience and where you are, what it's done for you. Yeah. I mean, once, once I started heading in that direction, once I got fired from, from living social, um, I definitely saw a difference in, you know, once again, how I viewed the world. Uh, you view the world as uh, you get one shot, you get to come through one time, and you get one chance to make your impact on the world. And, you know, entrepreneurship gives you that opportunity to leave your, your stamp behind. Um, and, you know, with, with where I'm at, does it necessarily have to do with me cooking? Is my passion with cooking? It is. And it's become that way. But like I said, like early on, that was not a passion of mine. Um, I think it just boils down to a very general thing. And that's um, freedom, you know, freedom to be artistic, freedom to be creative. Um, and this is just one outlet that I happen to stumble into. And uh, I'm trying to, to do it justice by putting everything I have into it now. Um, and uh, we, I think we got a long way to go. You know, we got the building next door. We have some visions of how that's going to be. Um, so I, I think we could be a staple of the Pittsburgh area. Um, I don't know where we go from there. That's enough right now in my eyes for the next five, 10 years is to build that business. Um, but who knows? You know, we've talked about ideas um, of, of new ventures that we would like to get going. And you just never know. And that's the fun about it is yep. that you meet all these different people, like-minded people. And uh, sometimes that's just how great things happen. And uh, you just got to kind of sit back sometimes and, and let those things happen. But, yeah, that's kind of where, where we're at. Yeah, and that, that's that has been to me the most rewarding aspect of entrepreneurship is what it's done for me mentally, physically, personally. Um, you know, the people that I've now surround myself with in comparison to the past and no disrespect to any of my old friends out there. I love you guys, but it's just, you just, you, you, ha- you surround yourself with people that think so much more different than you did before. And then your life becomes about building every aspect of your life, the business, 
personal, my mental health, my physical health, all those things are really, really important for the growth. And, and I think once you start understanding that you can change your life and you can change outcomes in your life and you gen genuinely do have the control it may you may have to work harder than somebody else you may have to do more than somebody else but there's always somebody that's been in a worse spot than you that has done has has or have done more than you and and that's the rewarding part about the entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey and um, i think through entrepreneurship you end up appreciating life a lot more for the most part and i think you you end up appreciating every single minute and every single hour that you have now and you end up appreciating just a breath and entrepreneurship has changed my life, man. And I've, I've been able to become super close with you and other people. And um, it's really, really rewarding to see uh, people thrive and be successful. So I appreciate you being on, man. This was incredible. I was really looking forward to this. I want to have you on again at some point, talk a little bit about some other opportunities, some different things and, and dive deeper into the mindset of entrepreneurship. Because I, I think you have such a unique story and a lot of value that people would find in this. So I appreciate you having me. Um, we're going to have all the information on, on all your businesses in the show notes for the story. And uh, man, just genuinely appreciate you and, and congratulations on all the success you continue to have. I appreciate you too. And your crew uh, having me out. It was a blast and uh, I'm leaving here, uh, you know, high on life for appreciate sure. You. All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, definitely give uh, Ricky a follow. You have to go into every, you know, his restaurant, follow the bird bites cart. Um, I'm telling you the food is incredible and, and, when you get to the restaurant, get the torts because they're incredible. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we'll catch you next week.